Testing, testing, testicles, testicles. We're now looped into the world of Pam. You guys know I work for the call center, right? That's that lovely phone voice that I only use for customers. <sighs> used to use. God, if I ever go back to call center, just please kill me. Just, I don't have more, no more patience for that. I just don't. I cannot fake it. I cannot fake life like this. Welcome, this is By All Means Necessary. I'm your host, Maya, and today we are kicking it. I am fucking caffeinated as shit. And you know that that always means some fuckery. You guys probably have your calendars, you know, it's July. But do you know what July means for BAM? It means that deadly duos month. <laughs> And I'm not saying that I'm doing this Deadly Duos month just solely because I have heard about this case recently, but I'm also saying that I'm most definitely doing it just because of this case. Also, please don't request me to cover Bonnie and Clyde for the love of God. I might cover it just for the sake of explaining to people how shitty that relationship actually was. Because I feel the society kind of believes that they had like this beautiful fucking strong relationship, you know, that they would like kill for each other and like... Um, it was actually really like super fucking weak and the two of them would kind of like ditch one another for you know just to spend less time in prison if necessary so uh, yeah none of them were powerful if I remember both of them were actually like really weak and wounded and like limping and shit by the end of their um, spree but yeah this is not a story about that we're going to Dublin today was that was that an attempt to, for an Irish accent that failed? We're going to Dublin in Ireland. Oh god, <laughs> gonna get hate mail. Also, that kind of sounded more Scottish than Irish, right? Dublin in Ireland. Oh my god. <laughs> I really need to like stop at two coffees a day. But hey, that did not happen today, so you're leaving this shit with me, okay? Let's dive into this case because this is insane. This is insane. I love it so much. Just even before we dive in, this case, if it, if it needs to make you feel anything, this case is there to make you like hug your fucking family and just be grateful for any fucking family unit that you have because it's not this one okay it's not the one that's in this story let's do this in march 2005 a pair of sisters killed her mom's boyfriend what they've done with the body in the aftermath of the killing earned them a famous nickname and a reputation in dublin and the rest of ireland what were their motives get that this intro doesn't tell you anything and that is for a reason because i'm gonna build this shit up all right so picture yourself as the police officers of um that day in march you know it's island it's still fucking cold you know, they just think it's gonna be a normal day but no no it, it's not because somebody discovered a human leg in the canal it kind of like surfaced up in the water so people reported it to the police and then they sent these divers to obviously, you know, find out if there are other limbs or other parts of the body in this freaking water. And guess what? They do find other parts of the body. Also, because now obviously they have these like parts of the body, they're kind of like looking at the CCTV around that area as well. While these divers are in the water trying to get the body parts, 
they see like other people obviously stopping, you know, being like surprised, shocked at what's happening. And you can see on the cameras these two women witnessing the leg being pulled out, looking shocked, but you know, just chatting and just peeking in, chatting, peeking back in. These two women will become relevant later in the story. Now these divers dug up the rest of the limbs and they found everything but the head and the penis. And at this point, police thinks that they have found a white male, but there's no head, so there's no like dental records or anything, so it's nearly impossible to identify this person. The part that I don't understand this story is how did they think that this man was white? Just, I mean, it was about 10 days that he has spent, well, his body parts have spent underwater, but still, scientists hit me up because we are talking about a black man here. Not even trying to spoil it, like it will literally come in the next line, but... Well, I don't understand, is it just because it is like 2005 and maybe they didn't have as much CSI, you know, machines and shit in place? Or does something actually happen to the body, pigmentation-wise, that it just can appear that it's a white man when it's a black man? So, in the autopsy room, they have discovered that this, you know, the parts of this body have 27 stab wounds in total, but there are no defense wounds at all. And the only thing that they have to go on is this shirt. So they make it available to the public. They sort of broadcast it everywhere on the news and stuff. Somebody actually calls in and they're like, yeah, I recognize the shirt. That's a shirt of my friend. So 100 days after they found a limb in the water, this body was identified as Farah Swale Noor, a Kenyan man who moved to Dublin and created a life for himself there. Now the police gets in touch with his family and gets in touch with like his children. He had different children from like different marriages. During this time, there's a woman visiting her two sons in prison and she tells them that her daughters have killed Farah, so the guy that was on the news. So her two sons realize they can make some plea deal here and can actually make their sentence reduced, so they go to the police and snitch. And then the police goes into the flat of the Mulhal family, the mom of the prisoners, they search the flat, they kind of immediately see some red flags. So they see that the carpet is missing, they have like some new furniture compared to like the old ones, so like furniture stands out, that the walls have been like freshly painted, the smell of the fresh paint is still in the air. There's no blood spotting anywhere though, and forensics just don't pick up on anything. In fact, it will later come up that the police said that they would have never guessed the place of this crime scene just because of how perfectly it was cleaned. So after that they're like still there's a couple of red flags so they get like another search warrants, search the place again and now they found like really tiny spots of blood so they get those in for testing. And this is when they start interviewing them and they're like okay the weakest spot here is one of the daughters that's called Linda who at this point is like losing sleep and has been for the past hundred something days. So she's not sleeping, she's on edge, so she confesses. This is what she confesses to. You're not ready. You are so not ready. It's just this fucking story. This is the shit that you would watch on like how to get away with murder and be like, this is unrealistic. And it happened. Okay? (laughs) So, we're rolling back to 20th of March 2005. It's night before Linda's sister Charlotte's birthday. So, you know, in the typical British fucking pre-drinking way. 
they, you know, start boozing. They start drinking to, you know, get themselves in the mood, start celebrating. And Linda was actually supposed to pick up her son, who wasn't actually living with her at the moment. But her sister Charlotte was like, hey, it's my birthday, yeah, fuck your child, you know. Both of them have had alcohol problems, among other things that you will see when they come up in the story. It wasn't really hard to convince Linda to start drinking with her sister Charlotte, and you know, it's her birthday, it's a perfect opportunity, why not? I feel before I continue with the story, I kind of have like to just paint this picture for um, the listeners from the US, because I have more people listening there than in the UK, to be honest. So, binge drinking is kind of like a culture here. Like, this is not a culture I've seen anywhere in the world and back home either. And this family does have an alcohol problem, among other issues, as I mentioned. But this kind of whole story reminded me of uni and the culture of pre-drinking before going to a club. This family in particular was really poor actually, so they didn't even plan to go to a club, like they just planned to go onto the streets to continue drinking. But there is that idea of pre-drinking that is kind of like attached to the British culture. And Britain does have an alcohol problem that they just can't admit to, but hey. Also, it's significant to mention another thing. This was the weekend after the St. Patrick's Day. So I immediately obviously forgot about this, but basically St. Patrick is the patron saint for Northern Ireland. But this is the biggest saint anywhere in the UK, really. So even if this wasn't happening in the Ireland, what is going on in this neighborhood? So even if this wasn't happening in Ireland, it would have still been big, so... That's like a bank holiday weekend, so people have a long weekend, you know, where they start basically drinking and chilling and just celebrating from Friday on to Monday. There's usually parades and there's usually like everybody's kind of on the streets and just celebrating for a long bank holiday weekend. You see, I had to be an educated drunk, whereas people here just get drunk knowing fuck all about any of these saints. What happens next is truly relevant because it's happening right now since they opened pubs from the 4th of July because we are apparently Americans and that was a great day to open them up. So this family hasn't really actually stopped drinking since Friday, so this has now been three days that they have been fucking binge drinking. Linda asks her mom Kathleen and her new boyfriend Farah to join them and, you know, just go out on the streets and just drink. So they do. And now, obviously, as I mentioned, they are poor, so they didn't even plan to go to the pubs or anything. All of them live on benefits. So what they do instead is they go to, like, the off-license and they just get a mixer. So they get what kind of coke. And then they're just pouring that on the streets, you know, passing in between each other's. And Charlotte and Linda kind of distance themselves and they're kind of, like, whispering something. And, you know, just it looks like they're having their own thing on the side. So their mom is like, the fuck? Why are you, like, buzzkills? And they show her that they're taking ecstasy. And then, as, you know, your mom would definitely do... <laughs> She's like, you bitches, let me get in on it. Like, I want to get fucking high as well. All of them, just the three of them, take ecstasy together. They don't share it with Farah. Farah is kind of out of it. Like, Farah is that drunk friend at this point, where he's just like having his own thing, he's not noticing what the fuck is happening next to him. But they're not giving ecstasy to him because he's violent when he's on drugs. Right now would be a great time to think of your dearest, dearest drunken memory. Mine was clearly, clearly not friends anymore with this person, not because of this event, multiple events, but this was just my dearest friend, like a dearest memory, because she was such a fucking deadbeat, just can't take a joke. And I, I love to intimidate and use those people. So we were in this club, somebody threw up all over this bitch. 
And uh, when we were going back to the holes, at that point, uh, pit bulls rain over me. You know, my body, na, 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 na. yeah, rain over me, whatever. <laughs> was popular. So the whole walk back to the halls, I was just singing rain over me <laughs> while she was just covered in vomit. Rewatching this classic of course. <laughs> oh, Mark Anthony is in here. Okay, interesting. Let it rain over me. Killing, killing it, killing it. <laughs> this video makes zero sense. Still love it, still a tune. Yeah, this is what she endured, okay? Now, Farah is not just like out of it and completely not getting what's happening in his surroundings. He just starts ruining the vibe. He's like screaming on the streets. He's that friend like, listen, first of all, people who are not happy drunks should just not drink. It just, it just should be a law. Like, if you are fucking that drunk who is like constantly just exhausting and tiring and just... Ugh, such a buzzkill, you shouldn't be fucking drinking. Like, let other people have fucking fun. They all agree that they're gonna go home to continue drinking because Farah is just gonna cause some shit that they're, like, the police is gonna come. And, well, they have just taken drugs and booze, so they don't really want that, do they? On their way home, Farah is out of it completely. So he sees a random Chinese boy on the street and he starts losing it, goes and hugs this boy and is just like telling him like you're my son you're my son so everybody's just like what the actual fuck and the mom and the boy are petrified so all the major telenovela fans can get an egg <laughs> to all of those who picture this as a telenovela moment well, i got you i got you can i get an egg can i get a boo boo <laughs> this is like that telenovela moment when you know the wealthy man discovers that the maid has been his mom this whole time and the mom like the maid is hugging him it's like it's okay my son me oh and uh he's just like awkwardly standing there looking thinking to himself like am i poor now is this who i'm gonna be living with now is my life over se acabo todo mi hijo se acabo todo modales por favor <laughs> modales por favor needs to be a fucking shirt this is because Farah actually has a son with like an Asian woman, so his son would be mixed race, but he is just completely losing it at this point. They finally make it home and Charlotte... <laughs> Wait, I need to Google this. And when they make it home, Charlotte starts playing, and I just love that we know this fact. I love that we know it so fucking much. She starts playing Sean Paul. Sean Paul is in the building. And obviously, I have taken this research seriously, and I have googled what songs were, you know, on point, like in 2005. And it is one of the biggest Sean Paul tunes. It's Get Busy Guts. <laughs> Till the early morning, let's get it on. <laughs> and she just continues making even more drinks. They make one crucial fucking mistake because this is like different sources say different things. One says that this was Charlotte, one says that it was the mom Kathleen. So one of them decides to crash the ecstasy pill into Farah's drink to get him on the same buzz. Because, you know, it's not like he's fucking already wasted and, like, he is a buzzkiller in general, okay? Like, we don't need to get him to be even more of a buzzkill, but hey, they don't get that. They're drunk, they just want, you know, everybody to be on the same buzz. At this point, they're that drunk that obviously they forgot about the damage that this can cause. So, Farah takes, you know, a couple of sips of that drink. They're all 
completely fucked. And now they're all sitting on the couch and Farah starts touching Linda up. So she starts freaking out, but she doesn't want to like cause any shit because she knows Farah can get violent. But Charlotte is kind of sitting next to them and she just starts noticing it as well. And she notices it because Farah is kind of like whispering into Linda's ear. He's saying shit like she's just like her mommy, she's the creature of the night. Not just that, but like now he starts dragging Linda towards the bedroom. And Charlotte kind of intervenes and like starts like taking him, dragging him off Linda. But he releases Linda, but then starts beating the mom, starts beating Kathleen and makes the slitting throat gestures. I'm doing it as if I'm fucking recording myself on camera. This is when Kathleen is just done with this, like done with this abuse. She has had like months and months of it. And she just says to the girls, please kill him for me. And the girls take her seriously. So, okay. Also, other like there are some sources that say that Kathleen, after saying this, just went to the room and you know switched the telly on and just was watching whatever the fuck was on television that day. EastEnders, probably Coronation Street. I don't fucking know. Probably just watching one of those English soaps that last for like decades. While her daughters um, started killing Farah for her. So Charlotte goes to the kitchen. She gets a knife and now pulls him from behind and slits his throat. Then, because she made a cut, but he is still alive, she slits it again. And now Farah is like on the stairs, but like they realize he's still fucking alive. So Linda gets a hammer and just starts like hitting him with a hammer. So she hits him a couple of times and then Charlotte just proceeds to stab him 27 times. And now hear me out. I cannot imagine. This is, this will be the worst thing. Like imagine being hostage, right? Or just like somebody serving revenge on you and serving it drunk. Because everybody pictures this like, yeah, and you know, she stabbed him this many times, Linda got a hammer. But no, in my head, the way that this is playing is a Charlotte which is like, yeah, you can't, you're hitting on my sister, I'm gonna stab you. And then she stabs him and she's like, oh, ah, uh, ah, uh, this really happened. Ah, uh, okay, what do we do now, Linda? Linda, please help me, Linda. And Linda is out there, Charlotte, guess what? I'm hammered, so how about I get a hammer and then I get this guy hammered, right? So he's on the same bus. It's it's a fun day. It's, it's a fun day. <laughs> and at this point, Kathleen kind of like, I don't know, hears a commotion, realizes that these girls have just been killing this guy for the past however many fucking minutes. So she just pops back from the living room. She's like, oh, he's dead. Okay, cool. So um, she realizes they're covered in blood, so her immediate thought is that they have to get rid of the body. The parenting in this fucking story is just beyond me, it's just like someone's like, yeah, let's all take access as a family, let's all get rid of this body as a family. So one of them, again, there's no like confirmed, there's no like confirmation of which one it is, but one of them suggests dismembering him. And okay, just having, taking everything that I know about this case into consideration, it was Charlotte, okay? (laughs) I don't care what you say. What Charlotte does next is just, it's it's next level. So, Linda was just the more panicked one and I mean, you'll see, but she got like less of a sentence because of her involvement in this. And Charlotte just goes full on psycho from this moment on. So she's more level-headed. She took it like a job. I put soldier through my child. I put, now this is gonna get fucked. No, before this it was chill. Before this, you know, they were just killing a man. You know, this is when it gets fucked. They bring him into the bathroom and put him on the ground. So I thought like, okay, cool. They're gonna bring him to the bathroom, put him in a bathtub. But apparently 
I don't know their thought process, guys, okay? I, I don't know how to dismember them, and they didn't until now, but they figured it out. This is gonna get graphic, just if you didn't figure out, because I mentioned it's gonna be dismembering, so the past couple of minutes are gonna be pretty fucking graphic, okay? Just so you know, just a warning, skip through or don't. They dismember his body in such a way that they cut legs in like four different pieces. So like, foot, below the knee, knee, and then like between the knee and the torso. So as they cut, let's say you would cut like one piece and then they would break the bones with a hammer. So they just literally, it's like, it's like a fucking mining process for them. It's just like, okay, cool. Yeah, one limb, then we break into the hammer and then we throw it into a bathtub. And I was just like visualizing this as I fucking always am. And it's just, it's like cutting fucking meat. It's like being butchers in that situation. While their mom, Kathleen, is literally there hovering over them. And encouraging, just being like, yeah, girls, doing great job. This is me embellishing the story. Embellishing is a strong word here, but hey. So, I mean, this is not far from real. Because she just keeps saying, like, how many times he raped her. Like, what he has done to her, you know, like, this is justified. Just soldier on, basically. Because of, like, her saying, you know, all of these things. Linda, at this moment, is just like, yep, this dismembering is not enough. And she cuts Farah's penis off. Also, it's not like they're just dismembering because of her mom, because of all the drugs and alcohol and everything, and just because this is their job now, apparently. They just cut him in the stomach for no reason as well, like on top of all the fucking stab wounds, because they're just into cutting now. And if you remember from the beginning, there are two parts of the body that they have never found. One is the penis, the other one is his head. So they have admitted that beheading was the hardest part of this. And this is the part which I just can't fucking visualize. It's like, as if dismembering is not just enough. It's not just like hard enough to like process and go through. But then you're like, okay, cool. There's his head, like there's this whole fucking face that we need to stare at now. And yeah, just let's behead him and then like fucking ruin. Also, I find it so bizarre. They're like, oh my god, this was the hardest. Like, so what? Everything else was chill. You know, cutting his legs is no problem. Could do it any day. But oh, the heads, the heads really get to me. Like, what are you on about? At this point, I feel like they kind of has sobered up. Well, I mean, that's what uh, dismembering a body does to you, doesn't it? And they realize the rubbish collection is not for another five days. Again, if not everybody's aware, they collect rubbish in the UK like once a week. It's usually on a particular day. You kind of leave your beans outside and they come and collect it. Probably how it happens everywhere in the world. I don't know why I'm telling you this fucking story. <laughs> I'm just trying to forget the fact that I have just visualized how they beheaded somebody, okay? I put something you should have thought of if you know you plan to fucking murder a person. You should have taken into consideration align it with the rubbish day, murderers. Not encourage anybody to kill. But. So their idea is, at this point, it's like probably early in the fucking morning, they're like, yeah, it's chill, you know, it's not like we're sleeping anyways, we gotta clean this shit up. They put different parts of his body in different gym bags. And as I mentioned, their cleanup efforts were impeccable, like described by the police, because they bleached the shit out of this toilet somehow as well. And the police was convinced that the bathroom couldn't have been the crime scene, which... It isn't, it was a more of a disposal scene, but again. So, they finished their job, you know, they finished their fucking night shift. And at 7am, the fact that we know all of these details means that they remember exactly which parts of the body they have taken. And I think like this kind of tells you a lot about them as well. So Linda takes a bag that had arms and clothing. Charlotte takes a bag that had torso and his insides. 
and they go to the Royal Canal. Now, also bear in mind, this is Charlotte's birthday. They're doing this. This is the morning of her birthday. Happy birthday. You're disposing of torso of a man. It's great. It's all is going plan according to plan. It's like, what did you think you were gonna achieve by your age? Oh, and she was turning 21. What did you think you were gonna achieve by the age of 21? Well, <laughs> and now they make sure nobody's watching and then they dispose all of these parts into the canal. Which again, not advising people on how to dispose of the body. But, first of all, you need to be a sober person, okay? You can't just kill me. When you're a drunkard and you're a fucking drug addict, but you gotta weigh the body parts down, otherwise they, they uh, come back to the surface eventually, okay? That's again why it's in my head, because if they had done this, probably they wouldn't have even been discovered. Unless that body part then somehow got loose, etc, etc, but like, those body parts wouldn't have started coming out. Especially with their cleaning efforts. Just imagine, if they bleached that apartment again, or like just got rid of even those small fucking blood stains, who would have known? So now, as you might have realized, if you like counted the body parts, they didn't dispose of all of them. So they go back and forth, but they wait for the parts to sink, you know, while people are just literally walking across the bridge. So they're kind of hiding now from the people because obviously people started going to work, right? It's Tuesday, probably Tuesday, right? After the bank holiday, so people are back going to work. So they're kind of like under the bridge trying to hide themselves and, you know, just monitoring, just kind of being on the lookout to one another while one of them disposes of body parts. But they keep his head and his penis. Also, during like that second time that they were going to the canal, they actually took a bus. This is when you're gonna start questioning and looking at everybody fucking carrying a dream bag differently because they're like, are there body parts in there? Are they? This is especially, there's a suspicious bulge coming out of your fucking bag, sir. So they go on the bus, then they walk through the shopping center. And this time their mom comes around and she disposes of the weapons in the pond. And they just pass, like, they just walk by the canal, you know, back and forth, so to check that everything has sunk. And this time they have brought his head around as well. And now, again, there are different bits and pieces of this. One says that Kathleen was the one that put his head into the ground, so his head was not disposed of in the canal. They never discovered where the head is. And they will never tell, which I think is such a fuck you moment. Listen, you're gonna realize when we talk about the background, I'm not cheering for these bitches, but this again. Nobody wins in this story, but these girls kind of do, okay? I'm not gonna lie, as criminals, they kind of won on certain points here. So apparently they buried this head into the ground. And then a couple of days later, Linda allegedly returned to the park and dug up the head. Then using her son's school bag, she transferred it to the field in this other location where she hammered it again and then buried it again into the ground. This again is very much a legend, but then, I mean, they haven't found anything, they haven't dug this head on the pathway or along the canal, so this might be true. Let's go into the trial to see what these girls have actually managed to get for everything they have done. First of all, you just have to google the pictures of these two girls going to trial, just like the pictures of them in general. They're the whole mood, the whole look. It's like every Levine in like the emo phase, like the skater boy phase, but just like if it was, you know, on a British level and it was two of them, and one of them kind of, you know, at least takes care of her hair, the other one is just like, of course, it's Charlotte. <laughs> 
course, the scarier one. She's just like, fuck this. I'm just gonna. It's, they're both mood. It's just like smoking cigarettes, looking like all disheveled. It's great. It's it's a look. It's a phase. <laughs> I dig it. I would watch a soap opera with these two in there. I just love people's choices for court looks in general, and those two have really like owned up to it being the whole ass mood. Actually, one thing that I didn't mention is that the police from the get-go thought that this was a ritual killing just because of this dismembering and, well, the fact that they couldn't find, well, the genitals and the head, which are kind of important parts and might have been taken, you know, to sacrifice a victim or whatever. It's just fucking brutal. So Linda and Charlotte both plead not guilty. I don't know how or why, because Linda technically confessed, so I don't know what their logic is, but hey. So Linda was found guilty of manslaughter and then Charlotte was found guilty of murder. And this is true because obviously Linda wasn't as involved, but she kind of was, but the jury accepted her defense of provocation. So like that he was coming on to her, that she was just, you know, trying to like defend herself, so that's why she got less. So Charlotte gets life in jail, Linda gets 15 years for manslaughter, and what about her mom? Well, the mom fled, which is just so bizarre, which is again one part that I don't understand about the story, because her, so Kathleen just decided to move to England. I don't know how, I don't know with what money, I don't understand, but she basically just fled from Northern Ireland to England. And then she returned in 2008, so after like three years, and that's when she got five years to serve as, I want to say as an associate for murder, that's not, that's not it. It's a customer support associate, yeah, but that's it, that's, that's the sentence, this is the crime. That's the sentence I've been serving for years, sorry, sorry, I just, I just got really confused. That's just, that's just my own personal sentence. Oh god, save me, monetize me, please. She supported the girls, she hovered over them, she was like the motivation, the guru. Also, she returned voluntarily, which I'm just like, I... First of all, don't you have like extradition, don't you like inform the police in the UK then to look for her? Like, she probably wouldn't have been so hard to find, because either she's staying with like somebody in the family or, well, I don't fucking know what she's doing, but she also has really specific looks. And then obviously, I don't understand why she would voluntarily return, because she knows she's gonna get charged once she returns. Now their biological dad comes into picture. Well, actually there are sources while researching this that have stated that he has actually helped them clean up because one of the girls like called him after, you know, they have murdered her mom's new boyfriend, but this has never like been confirmed and he has never been charged with this. So their dad couldn't live with these murders and he hung himself in a park. It's just everything about this family is tragic. If you fucking even understand, just like the closest family unit is already so fucked. Like, Lin both Linda and Charlotte have kids. Like, this will come into play. So the mom kind of just ditched them and this kid, like, fled to England. No plan to, like, for them to flee with her. No, it's like, okay, cool, we can take ecstasy together, but we can't, like, flee the country together. Great. John, their actual biological dad, was also abusive to their mom. She managed to kick him out of the house. Again, I'll talk about it later, but basically he left with a couple of other children. So it's only Linda and Charlotte that actually stayed with their mom. They have like more siblings, out of which, as again I mentioned, because they snitched and this whole family, two brothers are in prison. So it's just by now, there's like four family members in prison. Dad hung himself, mom fled and then returned, and she's now in the fucking jail as well. Also, she lived with these abusers, brought these abusers to the family. Just go hug your parents, okay? <laughs> just, that's the point of this. 
Linda is out of prison, by the way. She was released in 2018 after serving 13 years. And Charlotte is uh, still there. And Charlotte is causing a bit of havoc in prison, which we're gonna go to. But now, first of all, before that, let's go to the background. So, Kathleen and John lived in South Dublin with their six children, out of which Linda and Charlotte with two of them. He was abusive towards Kathleen and the children would witness it and soon enough, like, basically, as I mentioned, the family lived on benefits. John was the only one working. Linda was unemployed. She abused alcohol and drugs as well. She had four kids herself and then she met this guy called Wayne Kinsella, which is just a monster in himself. He probably could be done as a fucking whole case, as the whole episode himself, because he abused all of her kids. He abused Linda as well. And she... Okay, this is one of those family dynamics, which I don't understand, but there's way too many criminal cases, so it should be made public and it's important to understand. It's that one where you let a child, like, abuse your kids or like you don't trust your kids because you're dead in love with a man but then your trigger is to go to the police because you want to get back to him after like an argument or like something as ridiculous as that it's like what is your breaking point and like why does he not have common sense so the social services take kids away from her when they find out about her alcohol addiction and wayne ends up in prison again that reason but also he has a criminal career, this guy is fucking serial abuser and shit. This obviously just triggers her even more to get even further into her depression because now she doesn't have kids, she doesn't get any dick and she just needs to go back to, well, her family house. Where again, there's just more drug-induced fucking environment. So she moves back into her home, she gets clean, she actually stops drinking, stops taking drugs and manages to get the custody of her kids again. Now, Charlotte is again a special case in herself. As you can see, I have <laughs> so much, so much more feelings about Charlotte because she's truly the psycho in this story. Also, don't come for me, Charlotte. I have so much fear of you. <laughs> this is insane. So, she obviously, of course, had drug and alcohol addiction. I love how I said obviously, like, everybody in this family is fucked. What did you expect? She also worked as a sex worker at some points in her life, and her mother, Kathleen, introduced her to prostitution. Again, it's just the family. What they do together, it's like, you can... This is Her mom's logic is the worst for me, to be honest. Because it's like, so, you can introduce your kids to prostitution, you can take drugs with your kids, you can hush them onto murdering a guy for you, but then you what, just flee and leave them, go for trial by themselves and just end up in prison. Great. Great parenting life. And Charlotte also had, like, criminal record for some theft offenses. Now the timelines here are all screwed, so both of them go back and forth, like from renting and then going to family home, because again, they all can't hold jobs, they're all on benefits constantly. And their mom finally, at some point, like kind of recent, like probably a year or something before this murder happened, actually finally decides to leave her abusive husband, John, and she meets Farah in a club. She's like, yeah, letting loose, you know, it's like single days, let's do this again, let's get back at it. So when she goes into the club, Farah actually kind of approaches her again. He was a sweet talker, as you guess, because every fucking domestic abuser is, and then they just make you dependent on them, don't they? So he was like, oh, never seen such a beauty, la di da da so of course, like, it played to her ego, she accepted him, not just that, but after a few weeks of dating him, she moved him into the house. But soon enough, she realizes that he is an abusive son of a gun as well. 
Okay, Farah. Okay. Now let's go into Farah and his life. This is why I kept it until now, because by this point, you probably think like these sisters are monsters and they fucking are. But this is when you kind of like start doubting when you actually research Farah's background. You're like, but he was special. There is a special place in hell for this guy. So at this point, when Farah moved in with, what's her name, Kathleen, he has had three kids, all of them conceived through rape. I never thought I would say this fucking line in my life. Like, I never said conceived through rape until researching this story. He, uh, by that point as well, had convictions, including assault, sexual assault, and so he was on the radar for the police, but he has served no prison time. Which again is a pattern where we can stop these people. Like with serial killers, with anybody, we can stop these people, we can hospitalize them, we can do something about it, and then that could have prevented all of this. Nope, nope, cool. He was 40 at the time of his death. He arrived in Ireland in the 90s, claiming to be Somalian, whose family was killed during the Somalian civil war, obviously for him to get asylum. But he wasn't, so he was in fact Kenyan, and his family was still alive. So when the Department of Justice Equality Law Reform, like when they found out that he was fucking lying, and this is how he obtained to stay in the country, they ordered him to be deported. But at this point, he has already impregnated somebody, so he had a child that was an Irish-born. Okay, you you hate him yet? No, no. (laughs) Now is when you're gonna start really hating this guy, so... In 97, he raped a mentally disabled 16-year-old Chinese girl. Remember that story of the Chinese kid? Yeah, it comes into play now, doesn't it? So I don't know whether that night it was like his conscience or just him fucking being drunk and thinking he can own any Chinese child out there. This is when he faced charges of disorder and assault. He was convicted on three occasions but never served time in jail. Fuck knows why. There's this event from their life, like literally, probably like a couple of weeks before the murder, where Kathleen called Farah's ex. So at this point, it was kind of like a pattern, clear, like signs of, well, not clear signs of domestic abuse, because she was clearly feeling domestic abuse on her own fucking skin, but as in mental fucking withdrawals where you're so confused. So it's like, when he's sober, he's the nicest person ever, a sweet talker, he tells you how you're the most beautiful woman in the world, and then when he drinks, he's a fucking abusive bastard, and he drinks 99% of the time. So, um, yeah. So she kind of started fearing for her own life, and she called Hafar's ex. You know, during one of those nights, she goes through his phone to get the ex's number, and she calls one of his exes. And the girl literally just told her, get the fuck out of there. Like, he will kill you. Like, he was threatening me. And luckily, he actually moved on from that relationship just again because he wanted to, like, hoe. And he just fucking didn't give a fuck about actually raising a child. But then again, as it goes in these situations, he, you know, manages to convince her to stay. Or technically threatens her with her fucking life. Also, he was just like a typical manipulator. He even convinces Kathleen at some point for them to move to Cork. But yeah, they move away from like her family again so he can manipulate her even better. But then, obviously, their two asses are broke. They can't fucking work because they're constantly drunk and wasted. So eventually they did move back to Dublin. Also, his family, obviously, after his murder, has requested for the girls to reveal where the head is and where the penis is. 
and they never fucking did. I mean, especially the head, they just wanted sort of like a face to the corpse. But the girls just had their fucking moment, they're like, nope, um, he abused our fucking mom for years, so uh, bye. Okay, now is the time when I should probably say something because you probably think like, yep, I'm vouching for a murder here. I'm not. I definitely think he should have deserved a prison sentence, okay? Like a long, lengthy ass fucking prison sentence. And then if somebody was to just attack him in prison, etc., you know, one of the prisoners, one of the other criminals, then yes, cool. Then cool, that's on, that's on him. Maybe then I would be like, yep, he deserved it. Like, I don't think that he deserved murder, and I don't think these girls deserve to be criminals, but it's just... When I told you all about this background everything, it doesn't surprise anybody that this is how the story ended, does it? Because what good was to come out of this story? It's like abusive childhood they witnessed. Nobody can hold up a job, everybody's just into fucking drinking, everybody's alcoholics from the young age. And nobody's looking to change, nobody's reflecting on their life, right? It's the importance of reflecting, okay? <laughs> Now, here I'm gonna have a corner that I never had before, which is a press corner. Journalists, lovely, my colleagues, yay, this is also why I don't do fucking journalism. But listen, okay, Murderpedia won here. They just fucking put like all of the articles from the freaking tabloids, from the tabloids in Ireland. And I was just like, yep, this is it, this has to happen. Since in prison, Linda developed a keen interest in beauty therapy. And they both immerse themselves in the prison hair salon. It's like fucking Orange is the New Black, just in Ireland, you know? <laughs> Linda also said that like she was estranged from her mother when she was in prison because, well, apparently she still blamed her for the brutal killing and dismemberment, which, I mean, she isn't that wrong. She basically directed them to kill and then to dismember, so, uh, you know. <laughs> and she says she hates being called scissor sister. It makes her out to be a monster. Which it does, okay. The problem with the name. First of all, when I was researching this, I, like, my brain couldn't process why you would even call them Caesar Sisters, because there is that American band, so I was like, was it because of that? This has never actually been like 100% clarified. Like I have seen different, like, different versions behind that name, but it probably has to do with the dismemberment. That's like the most logical explanations, even though then why the Caesar Sisters? This is the main problem with serial killers as well, as just with glamorizing these people because like obviously then you're like yeah i want to be called the sister sister like that sounds all fancy and nice if we just call them for what they actually have done or just by their fucking names and not glamorize all these people maybe they wouldn't have been even encouraged to like do this nonsense but now yeah live with that nickname while in prison of course the media was still obsessed of course they were causing fucking havoc it was chill you know she was into her beauty shit charlotte though charlotte charlotte it's like this is my time to try it so Charlotte created some media attention when there was a photograph that surfaced of her holding a knife to a male prisoner's throat. Mm -mm. Apparently jokingly. You know how you do. <laughs> Where did she even get a knife jokingly? Like, who gave this bitch a knife in the canteen? So due to this, she had to actually move prisons. So she had to change prisons. Also, I read one article, which again is a tablet one, so you know, take it with a grain of salt, where she apparently had a relationship with one of the security guards, you know, she had to get a dick, come on, it's a long ass sentence. Apparently they fired the guy. And as if this family wasn't fucking fucked enough, one of their brothers, James Mulhall as well, pled guilty to the robbery of two prostitutes. Oh my god, I haven't even read this properly when I wrote it. I thought I said robbery and the prostitution, he robbed prostitutes. This is next level sad. This is just too fucking sad for this story. 
So he robbed prostitutes to support his own six children, his sister's Linda's four children, whom he also took after she was jailed. This will fa- it's like nobody fucking wins. Just say it with me. Nobody wins. And of course then that family is fucked and their moral compass is fucked. Like there's this press article as well where Linda was released from prison. Her daughter Nikita, cool name. Okay, Th- that show was great by the way. Watch Nikita, but... I don't know where did she name the child after that show, but hey. So Nikita is apparently a respected community worker and fitness instructor, but she still thinks like her mom was obviously justified to kill this guy because he was an abuser. And she said, then the night it happened, he messed with the wrong woman. He wasn't getting away with raping another woman that night. Which, yeah, if you think about it that way, it does justify because, yeah, he was about to literally fucking rape your mom while he was dating her mom just wrong but as i mentioned i don't justify it he should get he deserves prison okay and then i found this gem which is truly why i'm not a journalist this is truly why i don't write for the papers so it's from the irish mirror i love how i'm like naming them <laughs> shaming them but just look at this this is like this is the sun level i love it so much this they got this information apparently about charlotte because again everybody obsesses with charlotte because she's a true fucking psychopath like if anybody comes out of that prison and probably kills again after this whole family it will probably be charlotte let's be honest in the letters shown above and seen by the Irish Mirror, ooh, Irish Mirror has inside info, guys. The Mama One tells how she, and then now it's just bullet points, okay? Listen, <laughs> they broke it down. It's easy to read. Is. I just love this because the first word in every bullet point is capitalized. So, let, let me read this out dramatically. Is very close to Nevin, who does her hair and makeup, but whom she brands as a devious cunt. <laughs> this is her son. <laughs> the story okay next line next line let's do it gets bored in prison but is starting a new course what is this no further information no fucking irish mirror doesn't care (laughs) hates her scissor sister nickname and longs for the day she is released so she can be a proper mother to her seven-year-old son dawson no damien and set up family with her partner karen kelly what nevin is not her son guys because he just said one son and then said the son's name is damien nevin is a black widow killer catherine nevin <laughs> so that's the person she called devious county totally justifies it charlotte is all forgiven we love you charlotte please don't come for to kill me okay Okay, where was I? Charlotte said, I thank God I get to see my son every week. I can't wait to get out to be a proper mother for him. I adore him to bits. And then the next line is, my mother fucked off to England. So all I have left is Damien and my partner in my life. This story, this is the case. This is where I'm leaving you off. Then let's discuss the motives. But yeah, what the fuck do you think about this case? Who who won? Nobody wins. But um, yeah, who won? (laughs) Do you think Farah deserved it? Do you, you know, feel he deserved prison rather than just spending a life in prison? Do you think the girls deserved the prison sentences they've gotten? That the mom deserved prison sentences? That's the one where I'm like, I don't know. For everything that she has done, I mean, she has been a victim to like two fucking abusers. But still, I'm like, you have kind of, you know, hovered over the girls while they dismembered some of this body. Like, maybe you should have gotten a bit more for that. Also, what the fuck was on television that interested you that much that you just left the room and were like, oh, whatever, they'll deal with him. He could have been fucking raping your girls. I just don't. This family dynamic is killing me inside. Now, let's discuss the motives. Controversial belief, but 
I don't think that the girls killed because their mom asked them to kill. I feel the trigger here was that Farah was to abuse so one or both of them and this is what triggered it. Obviously this was very much drug and alcohol abuse crime and you know you kind of have to think like would have they done the same thing if they weren't fucking drunk and on ecstasy. But I kind of feel like because of the family background this would have happened because obviously if it wasn't Farah it would have been either their own dad or somebody else because there was a pattern of this abuse and the mom starting and dating the abuser so I feel like this would have happened with somebody else if it wasn't Farah himself. So I personally feel like it is that fear because it is so close to you because you have seen throughout your whole fucking childhood you have seen abuse you have seen your dad abuse your mom then you have seen like other people abuse her and you have lived in the environment but finally like what made you snap is when that threat was like so close to you personally and then your sister as well when you say enough is enough oh, by the way enough with j-lo one of my favorite j-lo movies I have a weakness with J-Lo movies. They are tragically COVID shit, but I love it. I love them so much. <laughs> Genuinely love I love and respect and vouch for J-Lo as an actress. I was really gunning for her to get it. And enough, it's just like the best. The best of the best, right? <laughs> but you see, in that movie, she gets her justice herself. She doesn't fucking ask other people. She doesn't ask her little three-year-old daughter to like fucking kill a guy. Yeah, she doesn't harsh other people. She gets her justice herself. Kathleen could have left. She was warned by his ex, like, she could have gone to the police, reported it. She was in the hospital a few times, actually, you know, and she just said, like, oh, she injured herself, typical. Yeah, they could have had those hospital visits. She could have gone, like, restraint order, etc. Like, she could have gotten out of this. This didn't have to happen. What do you think the motives were? <laughs> and do you kind of feel like if it wasn't for the mom, kind of telling them what to do or just, like, hushing them? to do it that evening that this would have happened i genuinely think it would because as i mentioned it was just the build-up of like them seeing abuse constantly and then just having the outburst of violence because something was now very close to them as a threat so if you can hear these fucking howls it's the wind okay it's not like haunted i'm not haunted i don't think so <laughs> Let's just uh, move the fuck away. And we are moving on to the story of the Sleeping Beauty. So the story we all know and love is of a little Sleeping Beauty who had, you know, this birthday party when she was little and she had the guests that were like three good fairies and they blessed her, you know, with beauty, da 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 da. But one of their gifts was interrupted by the evil fairy Maleficent. Who was like, mm, you didn't invite me, I fucking hate your gods, fuck you. So because of this, she curses the princess, proclaiming Aurora will grow in grace and beauty. So yeah, cool, you can have your fucking beauty, but on your 16th birthday, you will prick your finger on the spindle of a spinning wheel and die. Also, this is the part which I never got when I like when I fucking watched Sleeping Beauty slash read Sleeping Beauty as a kid. Why spinning wheel? Like, is this just like, yeah, everybody's sort of used to like sue and shit? I don't get it. And now one of the fairies manages to undo the curse, so she can't like completely lift it, but she undoes, she undoes it and she's like, okay, this will not be as powerful, so you will touch the spindle, but you know, you're just gonna fall into a deep slumber and will only be broken by a true love's kiss. Again, people were fucking high when writing this shit, but 
the king, so like princess's dad, orders like all of the spinning wheels to be burned. And they let her child again live in fucking forest with his fairies to avoid her fucking touching no spinning wheels. There's like a random young hot man just in the middle of the forest, as it always happens in these stories. So they fall in love because he gets obsessed with her voice and she invites him to the cottage for uh, an evening meal. And this moment, in particular this moment in time, how convenient, what a coincidence, is when their magic attracts the attention of Maleficent's raven. <laughs> this bitch has fucking ravens, like it's nothing. Like, like it's a fucking, you know how people have like bulldog and they're like, ooh yeah, I'm like, I'm the boss. This is Maleficent with her fucking raven. So they learn Aurora's location. So Maleficent now knowing this gets like gets to basically kidnap Aurora, gets her to touch the spindle, you know, she has like that one spindle that hasn't been burnt in the whole fucking kidnap. And then she kidnaps the prince, but the fairies rescue the prince, he kills Maleficent, kisses the princess, they live happily ever after. What else do you need in life? <laughs> Just a stranger fucking making out with you while you're like almost dead. You know what I think about a lot? <laughs> A lot more than I probably should. Like, who would you like to be given CPR from? Also, also, what I think about a lot in those situations is like, if I was just to collapse, you know, and depending on obviously, you know, what purpose would it be, like, what moment in my day it would be, you know, how long would I be collapsed for? Would my breath stink? <laughs> just imagine, you know, like, some hot ass person's giving you CPR and you would have been, like, in fucking slumber for years. Of course, your breath stinks, bitch. Oh, God. <laughs> This would be a bit of a different story had they incorporated it, wouldn't it? Now, 1634, remember Gian Battista? What's his name? Gian Battista Basile, yeah? From, I don't know what the fucking story. <laughs> I have them all gone in my head, all fucking mixed up. But in his version that was called Sun, Moon and Talia, there's no fairy godmothers, he's like, no, 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 we are too cool for this. A sliver of flax, which is like fucking, uh, which is like a crop, gets under her nail and she collapses and appears dead. This is again, as every fucking old story, it's just next level bizarre. Her dad, who can't deal with her death and the food that she's dead, takes her dead body and puts her on the bed in the freaking estate. No, like, decomposition, you know, the body's gonna smell, no, nothing, nope, that's, that's totally chill, let's not worry, you know, let's just keep you on this random bed. So the king follows the falcon, so this story has falcon instead of raven, you know, it's even more powerful, to the lord's home, where they find the sleeping beauty, and unable to wake her up, he rapes her. I put this as the whole concept of 13 reasons why. Maybe they have been inspired by this story. Don't fucking come for me, teenagers. Okay, no, no, <laughs> this wasn't bizarre. It's like this, the case of this week. If this wasn't bizarre until now, now is when it gets fucking mental. This guy returns to homeland, but Talia, even though she's unconscious, gives birth to two children. How? How? This is not even how coffin birth works. I love how, like, I draw the line, you know? <laughs> It's like, no, he kept her fucking dead on the bed, but this is where I draw the line. How is she giving birth when she's dead? Fuck life. I put, this is when you can clearly see that this story has been written by men. Truly, honestly, no. It's like what woman would be like, yeah, yeah, she's dead. They have raped her. Some necrophiliac has fucking raped her, but she's still giving fucking birth. 
Okay, luckily though, she gave birth to these kids because one of the infants actually managed to suck the flax off her. So like, from her fingers and she wakes up. What is this? Like, what fucking poison or whatever the fuck you have actually, like, stabbed yourself with keeps you sort of, like, just in coma for, like, a lifetime? Now, this is when it gets next level triggers, okay? So, the king that raped her has since gotten married. And the wife learns that there is this, like, side family and side children he has created. And, you know, instead of, you know, conceal, like, being like, hey, yeah, what the fuck, husband, like, divorce and shit. No. She plans to kidnap and slaughter the kids and serve them to the king as food, yeah? I love that I chose this story as, like, a continuance mini to the story of this week because just the family dynamics are killing me this week. They're killing me. No, my next slide in the script is... That's why the revenge is best served cold. Wow, peak. <laughs> Episode title, sorted. No context. Amazing. But this is when Queen's cook becomes a hero because he swaps her kids. So he swaps the kids for lamb meat and basically tells the king of this plot. So when the king learns of the wife's plot, he burns his wife alive to be with Talia. And what happened with the cook, you might wonder. I love how it's like... There's no explanation why any of this is happening, but we know that the cook got a promotion. <laughs> I put this plot is better than that season of the Kardashians when Black China was in their lives. And all of them were just dating each other's exes and having mental health issues like never before. No, truly though, that was when it started being really fucked up. <laughs> okay, the ending of this is he married Talia. And she enjoyed a long life with her husband and her children, thus experiencing the truth of the proverb. Those whom fortune favors find good luck even in their sleep. What proverb is this shit? Like, why is it no use today? What is the moral of any of these stories? Why did this girl get back to the person that raped her and then burned his wife alive to be with her? Like, what is anything? What are the family dynamics? <laughs> If anything, we learned this week, don't let your childhood define you. That is it. Also, I'm sorry, but what the fuck was the actual point of, like, Sleeping Beauty in general? What, like, true love will wake you from the dead? What? P.S. I'm kind of running of these, like, fairy tales, so uh, feel free to, you know, drop me a DM somewhere on the socials or an email just on which other one should I cover, because I'm kind of, like, eventually gonna run out of them. I knew that, but I'm just like, hey, what else is out there? Oh, dear. Okay. <laughs> Hit me up, podbam at gmail.com. That bam pod across all them socials, except Facebook, because fuck Facebook. Zuckerberg, don't come for me. You're already getting broke by the day, but don't come for me, okay? And now you're getting ready to go into your next Zoom call. How fucking pathetic. How? It's, it's getting old. Why does this still, still happen? <laughs> this week, you're like, listen, you know the news that broke this weekend? It's that Kanye is running for president. What do you think about that? And then judge those motherfuckers, because if they don't have the imagination, where they have already plotted how the Kardashians are going to film inside the White House... Why are you hanging out with them? Why do you associate yourself with those colleagues? I feel like this was very Kardashian-heavy episode for no fucking reason. So yeah, ask those fuckers. Are they American? Are they gonna vote for Kanye? What do they think about this? 
I swear I think he can't even actually get any votes from certain states because of ballots. I don't know, I don't know how life works, but I just found this so entertaining. I already imagined this whole plot of Kim as the first lady and then the Kardashians just ruining the White House. <laughs> but I mean, it can't get any worse, can it? It's not even that it can't get any worse, it's just like you kind of know what to expect, right? Because <laughs> you've been watching them on television for, well over a decade probably, so you know exactly what to expect. At least they're gonna be pro-LGBTQ community, come on. Oh, and then if nobody's on this topic, uh, nail the, like, the prudest person in that Zoom meeting and be like, hey, have you seen 365 Days on Netflix? It's a great movie, you should definitely watch it and then they're just gonna be disturbed for fucking life. Truly, that movie, I thought like when I've seen Fifty Shades of Grey that I've seen it all in a sense of like how much cringe there's gonna, gonna be. But then, but then, I'm not gonna spoil it, but I'll watch one movie for next week's episode that was uh, filmed uh, 12 years ago and, and uh, the movie is Twilight. Yeah, let me spoil it, fuck it. <laughs> I just somehow watched Twilight for research. It's all gonna make sense next week, okay? But after watching that movie, I was like, God, just the shots of everything, everywhere. And then, like, Fifty Shades came as, like, the next cringe, bad romance, whatever the fuck it was supposed to be. Although, I don't think it was supposed to be teen romance. And then, 365 Days, I guess it's a modern rape fantasy. I don't know what the fuck to tell you. <laughs> that movie doesn't have a plot. It tries. It really tries. Okay? So, most definitely, don't go and waste time on it. Or if you do, please, um... Go uh, go on my <laughs> that band pod, and then you know go on to my personal Twitter page and just uh, let's comment comment on my fucking status and let's I really wanna know what you <laughs> let's just say that movie made me really thankful for pornography and just like porn on the internet and yeah that that's how bad that was. <laughs> so to summarize, go in and ask about Kanye for president and then go in and be like, what did you think about this really shitty sex story slash they try the plot slash aim for the Polish colleague because maybe they understand. Maybe this is like creative, you know, mindset that we cannot comprehend. But for now, I'ma leave you. I'ma get the fuck out. I'ma ski that all and leave you in your imaginary world of Kardashians running the White House. <laughs> Just imagine the kitchenness. Just the furniture will change. <laughs> the wardrobes. Oh my god. <laughs> Kim would be the first first lady to wear crop tops as like a fashion. It's like, nah, fuck it. Changing justice reforms, you know, meeting foreign presidents. No, crop top and a skirt. It's a, it's a statement. <laughs> Let that imprint stay in your head. And in the meantime, keep questioning everything and keep making the world a better place. One motive at a time. Bye, fuckers. Get busy, or also known as like glue, by Sean Paul. Shake that thing, Miss Kanakana. Shake that thing, Miss Annabella. Shake that thing, Jan Donna Donna, Jody, and Rebecca. Why those names? Why those names, Sean Paul? Girl, get busy. Just shake that body non-stop. When the beat drops, just keep swinging it. Get jiggy. Get crunked up. <laughs> Remember when we used to say crunked up? <laughs> crunked up. 
percolate, percolate, you know, fucking just throw the police like percolate, percolate anything you want to call it, oscillate, oscillate. what is this, did somebody just get like Oxford Dictionary here, like for this fucking song? <laughs> Oscillate you hip and don't take pity. We want to see you get live upon the rhythm when we ride, and me lyrics provide electricity. Girl, nobody can tell you nothing. <laughs> nothing spelled like nothing, like coming. <laughs> can you done know your destiny? You sexy ladies want par with us in the car with us. Them now war with us in a the club. Them want flex with us to get next to us. Them car vex with us. From the day we born, draw ignite my flame. Gala call me name, and it's me flame. <laughs> it sounds like people from northern England. It's like it's my flame. <laughs> it's my mom. <laughs> it's all good, girl. Turn me on till an early morn. Let's get it on. Let's get it on till an early morn, girl. It's all good. Just turn me on.